from the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy! Hello and welcome back to Inside Jeopardy, your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy. I'm Sarah Foss and I'm joined today by Buzzy Cohen. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Always great to have you. I want to kick things off today, Buzzy, with a limerick that I came across on Reddit from mm. ChatGPD. I love Jeopardy limericks. I don't know. I just I get excited about them. I like that there is there are enough of them for you to love them. Yes. So there's more than one. It shocks All right. me. Are you ready for I'm this ready, one? I'm ready, yeah. Okay. Little holiday spirit here. There once was a game show called Jeopardy where smart folks would answer with glee. They'd rack up the points with knowledge anoints, and Trebek would smile charmingly. Oh, that right? is so sweet. Yes. I like to think he's still smiling charmingly. And I would like to think that he's excited we're bringing back our high school kids, the yeah. teen reunion folks wow. from season 35. That was a big season for Jeopardy, a big season for Alex, yep. James Holtzauer. All, all stars. stars. Who yeah. could forget all stars, Buzzy? That's where I'm we, trying to forget it. <laughs> that's where we really bonded. <laughs> yes, yes, that's because right. Because I was your assigned producer for to, my team for your team and yeah. i had to like get the inside scoop mm -hmm. i had to know like what you were doing to prepare and get footage and i learned way too much about your workout routines That's right. and how yeah. you were intensely training both in the gym and out of the gym and doing both at once yep and we trained at altitude we went to denver yes. so that my team could train at altitude very you know kind of olympic athlete approach but yeah season 35 wow um so much happened but the uh you I, I just want to say that you and Michael Davies blindsided <laughs> me with this announcement of the high school reunion, but man, everyone has responded so positively, and I can't blame them. I'm getting excited just thinking about it. Yeah, 27 students who played in teen tournament coming back. They're all in college now, and they're going to represent themselves and, you know, kind of their university, but we didn't have a chance to tell you all about them. So we yeah. are going to kind of go through all 27 a little later in the show. We mentioned that 30 students were eligible because obviously we had two 15 student tournaments. Two of them are not available. One of them will be our alternate. I know people are very disappointed that Emma Arnold who finished second place in one of those tournaments is not going to be able to join us. But no surprise, someone of her intelligence is studying at Cambridge, yeah. and she can't make it over for the taping, but we'll find a way to have her back on Jeopardy. Also, Sophia Wang, who was a quarterfinalist in the fall teen tournament, she has a longstanding engagement with a conference, and it just happens to be taking place the same weekend that we are shooting, so we're sad that we can't have her. And then our alternate is Ryan Pressler. He finished in second in the spring teen tournament. Hard to believe he was only an eighth grader at the wow. time. So he's actually not even in college yet. Not ready for that high school reunion because <laughs> he's, he's still in high school. <laughs> exactly. He's still living the dream in high school. So he will be our alternate. Again, 27 former teens, now current undergraduates, and they're going to compete in that 14-day tournament with Buzzy's favorite two-day total point affair. Grand prize, $100,000, and a spot, most importantly, in the 2023 Tournament of Champions. So what do you say we take a look at who is competing? Yeah, let's do it. Kick First off, off, we have Claire Sattler. A lot of people remember Claire. Mm -hmm. She won the fall teen tournament, and she's currently a senior 
at Yale University studying, oh my goodness, I can't even go over all of her majors, molecular, cellular, and developmental biology and theater and performance. A well-rounded... Two great tastes that taste great together. (laughs) A well-rounded competitor. (laughs) Next up, Maya Wright, who came in third place in um, her teen tournament, now a senior at Emory, majoring in public health and Spanish linguistics. We've got Tim Joe. He was a semifinalist, and he's studying at Columbia University, studying history. That's my alma mater. Oh, my goodness. Representing Tim. Buzzy will be cheering you on, as he will cheer everyone on, of yes. course. Uh, next up, we have Jack Izzo, who was also a semifinalist, currently a senior at Northwestern University studying journalism and psychology. It's a great major. I studied journalism, broadcast journalism. We're going to find out more about that in a few weeks when we bring in the Clue uh, Crew. yes. Okay. If you all haven't heard already, send us in your questions <laughs> that you want to ask Sarah and Jimmy. That's going to be good. Buzzy won't even tell me the questions. He wants it to be very spontaneous. Gotcha journalism at its best. Uh, Yes, but broadcast journalism, USC. (laughs) I'm not represented here with our field, but so impressive. Moving on now to Rohan Kapilishwari, a semifinalist in the fall teen tournament. He's at the University of Texas at Austin studying mechanical engineering. Giving a shout out to UT because obviously there's something in the air over there. They have Jess Karin Singh, our current Jeopardy National College champion winner and alma mater of our intern, Matthew Mendez, who has done <laughs> a phenomenal job for us. And we're going to have to say goodbye to him actually this week. But Aww, he's that- done so many great things, such a contribution to the pod, to the show. And to our coffee orders when Buzzy isn't <laughs> taking them. <laughs> Next up, Caleb Richmond, also a semifinalist in that tournament, currently a sophomore at Georgetown University um, studying culture and politics. We've got Audrey Sachivi, a semifinalist, and she's at Indiana University at Bloomington studying clinical psychology and Hispanic linguistics. We have Autumn Shelton, another semifinalist, um, currently a junior at Princeton University studying anthropology. Wow. Maggie Brown, one of our quarterfinalists, she's studying at the University of West Florida International Studies and Art History. She's a junior. Rotimi Kukoi was another quarterfinalist. He is currently a freshman at UNC Chapel Hill studying health policy and management. Next up, Anish Matipoti, another University of Texas at Austin student. He's a junior studying public health. Next up, we have Dan Oxman from South Orange, New Jersey, my neck of the woods, currently at the University of Maryland. He's a senior studying chemical and biomolecular engineering. We've got Isabella Pagano. She's at Caltech right nearby in Pasadena, California, studying, not surprising, mechanical engineering. (laughs) So impressive. (laughs) The last member from this fall tournament, Rhea Sinha, From Chatham, New Jersey. Man, these are like my neighbors. Oh, these Um, are your people. These are my people. Just graduating Cornell University uh, with a major in information science. Yes, so two of our competitors will be graduating this month. So they'll be very recent graduates when we tape in January. All right, let's look at our spring teen tournament lineup, starting off with Avi Gupta. I remember Avi. Yes, he was our champion. He went on to do many, many great things already, <laughs> even though he's he's merely a senior at Stanford University. But Avi is up to a lot of great things, and he is studying political science and computer science. 
Lucas Minor came in third place in that uh, spring tournament, currently a junior, also at Yale University, studying history and global affairs. I wonder if he's friends with Claire. I wonder if they hang out and tell old teen tournament stories. We'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah. Yep. We'll have it on the pod. I actually heard from John Barra from the contestant department, and many of the teens have reached out to him to say, hey, we were so excited to hear the tournament announced on the pod, and if they want to have us on, we'd love to do interviews. So Let's do it. Right? I want to talk to I all. I want to line outside of the pod door. Just bring them one at a time. Wearing college sweatshirts. Wearing college. No, I don't. I'm, <laughs> I know. You're indifferent. You're I'm indifferent. indifferent. I just want to know. You just brought it up. Well, I we just, haven't we haven't reached a decision I just want to be that, informed. So <laughs> that's still coming. <laughs> All right, next up, Justin Bolson. He was a semifinalist. He's currently a freshman at Brown University, studying international and public affairs and economics. Next up, Jackson Jones, another semifinalist, currently a junior at Vanderbilt University, studying chemistry and economics. You say economics, I say economics. Potato, potato. I mean, both are correct, but I just want to point out that you and I, we differ on that one. Yeah, I, I mean, and you helped me a lot with my pronunciation when I was guest hosting and i think what was animals animals i say with a <laughs> real jersey accent yes yeah. that was fun we had so much fun with that yep. lots of zoom sessions <laughs> all right we have hannah necritz a senior at brandeis university another one of our semi-finalists from that spring teen tournament and she is studying neuroscience she's louise these people are so smart. Uh, next up, Tegan O'Sullivan, another semifinalist, currently a freshman at American University in D.C., studying statistics. We have Isha Sohail, also a semifinalist. She's one of these most recent graduates by the time we're taping. She's just finishing up finals as we speak, I think. She is at UCLA and received her degree in biology. Next up, Shreya Yarlagada was another semifinalist. Um, currently a sophomore at Harvard University. Heard of it? It's one of the better second-tier schools, mm-hmm. I'm told. Majoring <laughs> in government. Next up, Rohit Kataria, one of our quarterfinalists. He is currently a junior at Vanderbilt University studying public policy studies with advanced quantitative methods. I've never Sh- even heard of that. It sounds <laughs> very important and very impressive. Advanced quantitative methods feels like it's one of those things that someone would apply to Jeopardy and be like, I've cracked it. I figured out the game. And then they come in and just like mess it up because they forget that, you know, Snuffleupagus was only visible by Big Bird in the beginning or something like that. Kind of like John Folked with all of his research into (laughs) gameplay. But when he actually got in there. I didn't want to call out John Folked, but okay. We're friends, John. You would even (laughs) say yourself, as you did on the pod, that once you got in there and really looked at all the elements that you decided that you can't actually analyze it in the same way that you can baseball. So we'll see. I didn't mean to call out your major <laughs> Rohit, but I am fascinated. We Next up, we have Shrikar Matabushi from Basking Ridge, New Jersey. Man, New Jersey's representing. He was a quarterfinalist in that spring teen tournament, currently a junior at Georgia Tech studying computer science. We've got Stephanie Pearson. She is from Macon, Georgia, but she's currently studying at UNC Chapel Hill, History is her major. She's a junior. All right, next up, Allison Purcell. Uh, currently another University of Texas at Austin. She's a senior studying biology. 
Yeah, so three competitors out of the field of 27 from the University of Texas at Austin. I imagine that Rohit could uh, help us with the quantitative methods on terms of what kind of advantage that gives the University of Texas and Austin. Hook them horns on Jeopardy. <laughs> Next up, Audrey Sarin from Redmond, Washington. She's currently a senior at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo studying marine science. Ooh, slow town. Love it. Well, that is our field. We already mentioned our alternate, Ryan Pressler, who's still in high school, so doesn't have a major. But, man, I am so looking forward to this tournament. I want to get to see where these players have gone. They were already so impressive as teens. I want to talk to them. Let's get them in the pod. Let's chop it up. But first, we have lots to discuss today as our 21-day super champ, Chris Panulo's run, came to an end after a come-from-behind defeat by Andy Terrell. So let's dive in. All right, cue the beat. Factors ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. Boops. We kicked off the week with 20-game champion Chris Panulo coming up against Steph Martin and Ben Abair. And I have to say, starting off this Monday game, you're thinking Chris is unstoppable. This run is going to keep going and going. Ken kicks off this show, and it's become kind of traditional around the 20-game mark. <laughs> I feel like we need to let everyone know a little bit more about our champion in case you've missed it. So I usually put in that open some some nuggets, if you will. So <laughs> just a reminder, Ken told you he's a former poker player. He likes big daily double wagers. He's not a big risk taker in life, which was surprising to me, even though, you know, he is so non-risk averse to doing these big wagers. And he has a 10-year-old pet rabbit. Who can forget lentils? Girlfriend's birthday, February 21st, uses 221 often in the wagers. He's the oldest of five siblings. Loves the movie Spaceballs. He's seen it more <laughs> times than he can count. Does not like olives. Hates them, in fact. Mm. Hates olives. And his lunch of choice, we've discussed it, a salad with chickpeas and chicken with a banana on the side. Yeah, very, very strong game. Once again, Chris just looked unstoppable up there and another runaway two big daily doubles really the first one was an all-in daily double then the 7,000 daily first daily double interestingly enough I think Ben played a better game on paper than maybe it appears you know 23 buzzing attempts in the Jeopardy round 20 matching Chris in the attempts in the um, double Jeopardy round, better buzzer percentage, but just not getting those high-value clues, a couple of nags, and not getting those daily doubles. That was the difference, I think, for Ben uh, being in it or not in it. Then, of course, missed final. So hard to win when you miss final, but really impressive, impressive game. Yeah, yet another runaway for Chris. I also uh, would love to point out in this game, uh, you know, I, I spoke about Ben's strength. Ben ran the let's play quarters category but chris of course also ran another category history on the double 
And um, Chris found all three of those daily doubles. Chris found so all three of those daily doubles. So, and he converted all of them. And at this point, he had found 48 of 63 during his games. Incredible. And he's earned almost $175,000 just in daily double earnings. That's just phenomenal. So like I said, we, we finish Monday. We think, okay, this guy, he's going to keep going and going. But wait. We move on to Tuesday, where Chris Panulo comes up against Andy Terrell, the giant killer, and Megan Mello. And at this point, Chris has surpassed Julia Collins' 20 game and is really just behind Ken, Amy, Matamodio, James Holtower, and Matea. But he's actually, at this point, ahead of Matea in terms of money won. He's getting into really rare air of the, the legends. That's why we have the leaderboard of legends, but he's right in there. And comes up against Andy Terrell, who I was uh, fascinated to learn was an alternate in the Professor's Tournament. Yeah. This game was fun to watch because nine lead changes between Chris and Andy. It was like a ping pong totally. game. It's like, now you're in the lead. Now you're in the lead. Uh, and really. a huge comeback because at one point, Andy, negative 2,000. So Andy think, was negative at the end of the Jeopardy yes, round. Yes, to think that he came back, that has to be one of the... Hey, I don't know. Jeopardy honors. Biggest comeback yeah, biggest of the year. Comeback. I don't know. Is that an award we're going to have? We could. Um, if you guys aren't doing it, I'm going to do it. All so, right. The um, Buzzy Cohen honors. <laughs> the Buzzy Cohen honors. Uh, yeah. And of course, Chris, you know, that $6,600 daily double miss. Yeah, big miss. Consequential. But, you know, you live, uh, you know, as Michael Harris likes to say, you live by the daily doubles. You mm-hmm. die by the daily doubles. And that really... He's still in the lead going into final. It yeah, just made it a game. He got that lead with those last two clues those that he regained the lead. Yeah. And that was that ninth lead change. And, and then it, we had final. We had final. And I have to say, I I was surprised that Chris and Megan missed this one. But, you know, when you're up there, it's hard. I, I That was sort of an insta-get for me. And Ken actually introduced the Final Jeopardy category plays with the plays the thing, which is a reference to Hamlet. So he... he there's a, another little hint in there. But, um, yeah. And then, of course, James dropped his conspiracy theory tweet. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this one, Sarah. I did. Uh, Super Champs final game, 1399. Shakespeare, Jason, final Jeopardy. Uh, you know, in James's final category, Shakespeare's time, he wagered 1399. Chris ends with 1399. Um, what a great run, though, Chris had. Very, you know... Uh, maybe not the fireworks of the six-figure dollar amounts that we saw with James, but man, what a great player! It's definitely setting himself up to be the, at least at this point, the one to beat in the next tournament of champions. Absolutely, and great support. Matamodio tweeting, "Congrats on a great run." I also saw Sam Buttry, uh, you know, giving yeah. some love to Andy Terrell, obviously as the Professor's Tournament alternate. And we've talked about the alternate before. You were an alternate, in fact, an alternate, on your yeah. tape day. And I have to think, being in the studio, getting to experience it all without having the pressure of performing might be some sort of an advantage. I don't know. It worked out well for Andy. Yeah, and if Andy was there, I, I don't know how long it took to tape the professor's tournament, but I believe it was a little longer, Yeah, mm-hmm. the format. Uh, more time in the studio, you know, more time looking at that material, more time watching what it, uh, makes a player successful doesn't hurt. Yeah, two extra days to watch 10 episodes of Jeopardy. That has to help. Well, I did catch up to Chris right after that loss and so much to celebrate with 21 wins. Let's hear about his experience. Chris Panulo, you're leaving us for now with some pretty impressive numbers. 
21 wins and nearly three quarters of a million dollars. How does that feel? Incredible. Uh, everybody loses on Jeopardy, but very, very few people win 20 games. Very few people win a three quarters of a million dollars or a half a million dollars or a quarter of a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. So uh, I can't be anything other than ecstatic, even even having just lost. And we know this is only goodbye for now. Obviously, you are going to be coming back for our next tournament of champions. What does it mean to you to know that this is not your last time on the Alex Trebek stage? It makes it a lot more optimistic for me, just knowing that I'll be back and that this isn't the end and that I have a lot of studying to do and that I'll be watching Jeopardy for moving forward, you know, scouting my opponents. So category, plays. What went into that final, final Jeopardy for you? It was a few things. When plays came up, I sort of disregarded Shakespeare because I thought they may have mentioned Shakespeare specifically. So I was thinking American playwrights or French or Irish playwrights or other English playwrights. And then they mentioned a Bulgarian play. So I was stuck in the Balkans. And I just, if I had like opened my mind a little bit more and not gotten so you know, pigeonholed in there. I, I think I may have come up with it, but you can't come up with them all. We talked about the player who came in, the giant killer. Any thoughts about him when you were first seeing him in rehearsal or playing against him? I loved his hair and his glasses. Um, he did have a very, like, strong college professor look, and he ended up being a really strong player and, and got Tempest right, and his mind was just a little more open than mine at that moment. So Heather's birthday, your girlfriend, I think all of the Jeopardy community will remember it, February 21st. I have to know, how are you going to celebrate this one coming up? Uh, I don't know, probably just go out to dinner, have a nice dinner, and then a quiet night at home, which is, you know, most of our nights. And I think this will really help solidify her birthday in my head, so I'll never, ever forget it. And neither will a lot of other people, which is nice. <laughs> you said before you came on to compete, you and Heather would watch Jeopardy, particularly Final Jeopardy, and make that guess, kind of the Jeopardy blind guesser. Will that be part of your prep for the TOC? Is that going to continue? I think so. I think it has real life, um, you know, implications in Jeopardy. Like every time a category comes up while I was here, I would start to go through all of the potential answers it can be. And for some things like famous Americans, it doesn't really help. But for state capitals or world capitals, like if you prime your brain, I think it, it really does have a, a positive impact. What has been the best part of your Jeopardy journey? Um, the money. Um, but beyond the money, um, having heard from so many of my friends and family, having gotten to meet all of the crew here, they've been incredible. Like every single day has been remarkable and like just a true dream. We've talked about your stats on the Jeopardy leaderboard of legends. How do you want to be remembered? What type of Jeopardy champion when they talk about Chris Panulo, what do you hope they say? Uh, exciting. Like I, I want to be remembered as an exciting player who bet big when it mattered, who made the right decisions. Um, a lot of close games, so someone who was worth watching from beginning to end. Well, you were certainly worth watching, Chris, and we can't wait to see you play again. We have to wait a little bit, but that Tournament of Champions, we'll look forward to seeing you then. I'll be back. Congratulations on a great run. Thank you so much. All right, we say goodbye to Chris Panulo for now and tell the TOC, but let's just take a look back at his impressive run. A little bit of a stat roundup, okay? Leaderboard of Legends, Buzzy mentioned it earlier. He is now sixth place, right behind Matea Roach with 23 games. In terms of highest winnings during the regular season, he's in fifth place. He actually bumped Matea out of the top five. She's now sixth. In terms of all-time winnings, he's in seventh place. He has surpassed Larissa Kelly and just barely behind David Madden. David Madden's at 763, 733. He's at 748, 286. Those stats are... 
They could change in the TOC. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> those totals can change in the TOC. Interestingly enough, even if he wins the TOC, he's going to be just shy of a million dollars. But hey, who's counting? In terms of those daily doubles, he found 50 of 66. That's 76 percent, 45 correct, five incorrect, a 90 percent accuracy rate in daily doubles. That's that's really, really really impressive. Average daily double winnings, $7,644 per game. Overall, just general game stats after 22 games. Again, he played in 22, even though he only won 21. Average score, $34,077. 17 out of 22 runaways. Incredible. Responded to a total of 692 clues. Of those, he was correct on 650 (sighs) of them. That's a 94% accuracy rate. Wow. Average correct clues per game, 30 also so impressive. Anything in the 30s is just so impressive. And to think that that's his average. And he was averaging two incorrect clues per game. All right, here we go. The best of Chris Stats. Best ever, 36 correct responses in one game. Biggest correct daily double wager, 12400 Highest winning total in a single game, $71,821. Whew. All right. Well, now we move on to Wednesday. Everyone was expecting... Okay, Andy Terrell, he's a giant killer. Here begins his long run as he faces Tammy Groner and Ron Chung. But uh, as Ken <laughs> pointed out, the, uh, the there is the curse of the giant killer, which has been discussed. Um, not not a strict curse anymore. I think uh, Emma, actually, Emma Betcher broke that. She ended up winning three games. Um, but Jonathan Fisher went on a long run. But there is a little bit of this, um, you know, Nancy Zerg, who yeah. beat Ken, lost the next day. Roan Talsma, who beat Amy, did not continue. So as much as we can expect from Andy, clearly there's something about taking down a big player like that could maybe be a little bit draining or overwhelming, let's say. One fun thing about this show was the Ginger Z Talks Meteorology. I had the chance to shoot this category <laughs> With Ginger on the Good Morning America set, Ginger is another real fan of Jeopardy. She's competed in Celebrity Jeopardy. Uh, She loves this show, and it was really fun to welcome her back on the show, this time as a Clue presenter. She reached out to me after her category played. She had such phenomenal response. She gets a lot of comments on, of course, her work on Good Morning America, but so many other people were so excited to see her on Jeopardy. So we're actually hoping to have more of Ginger Z. She's doing so many travels around the world, talking about climate and different issues. So hoping to feature again and um, great to have her on as a category. Getting into the game, Ron made two important daily double wagers that ended up being correct. What an incredible spread of scores going into final. We've got Tammy in the lead with 22,200. Ron right on her heels with an even 22,000. And then Andy in the game with 11,200. So it really came down to final for all three players. Sometimes it's like, you know, two players, it's down to final. Really, it came down for all of them. And I thought this was a very tricky, very difficult final, and none of them got it. And it turned out to be the kind of more conservative wager from Ron gives him the win. But that could have easily ended up, if Andy's correct on this, even if, you know, Tammy and Ron get it wrong, he's a champion for another day. So it just goes to show how often, you know, we're we're coming out of the Chris era, the Panulo era, where, uh, you know, 
there's so many runaways you kind of forget that Final Jeopardy is almost a part of the game. Here we're right back into it with a great nail biter. Um, and Andy, Andy spoke about his loss. Did, did you see this, Sarah? Yes, on Reddit. Uh, he said, you know, it's an utter whirlwind of adrenaline. I feel like I blacked out. I couldn't honestly remember much when it was over. Had no clue what the categories were apart from a couple of memorable ones until <laughs> I saw the show air. And I've heard that from so many champions. But once they do watch the show, then they will forever remember the ones they missed. Of course. Yeah. Um, he said it was a fugue state. And you had just asked. I had just, You had yeah. just said, is it like a fugue state? And Andy confirms that it is. He talked about how incredible Tammy's buzzer timing was. Yeah. And that Ron was just strong all around. And Ron Chung is back on Thursday going up against Sri Ram Krishnan and AZ Madonna. The Jeopardy round was very tight, and then all of a sudden, Sriram just saw some daylight and did not stop. 19 buzzer attempts with a 63% get rate. 13 correct, no incor- none incorrect. A $2,000. I thought he should have wagered more on that Daily Double. Yeah, I was double. surprised on that Daily Double. But uh, finishes with a runaway, 21800 and uh, a z- I love a zero wager on a runaway that's just that's my yeah move. you're not trying to put an exclamation point on it, it you're happy I, with the win especially and... coming in seeing chris panulo then get you know beat yeah and then that person gets beat and now you're playing okay yeah just i live to see another day so i feel you Ram. buzzy has all the feels about i've that, got Shriram. all the feels about that Shriram. and we're heading into friday closing out the week <laughs> he's going up against ellen and matthew with this game Sri Ram becomes our third one-and-done champion after Chris. I think we're getting a little bit of payback for just an incredible yes, tournament champion. we were a little spoiled yeah. by these super champions, and now we're going to remember the good old days. A lot of times a champion just <laughs> wins one, which is impressive. They're a Jeopardy champion for the rest of their life, but this week they're one-and-done. Um, I did enjoy the TV final episodes when Ken, re- you know, say we just revealed the spoiled the ending of Killing <laughs> Eve. He certainly did for me. I'm like a season behind, so uh, thanks, Ken. And yeah, well, and I guess anyone I sh- who else who yeah. hadn't watched the end of Friday Night Lights or I This mean, Is Us or at, Silicon Valley or at yes. this point, Friday Night Lights, it's it's been a while. You've seen the end. If you wanted to see it, you've seen it. But um, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll send Billy and Michelle a strongly worded strongly letter. Strongly worded about letter. Were Lo- you going to get to Killing Eve? Did you think? I was, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I've, I'm enjoying it. Um, but not now? Or you'll still power I'll still through? watch it. Yeah, it doesn't. Okay. You know, I'm one of those people that I can know what happens in the movie. I'm still going to watch it. Uh, speaking of movies, that was our final Jeopardy 1970s movies. Uh, I thought this was a very, very fun. I loved uh, this final. Yeah. And also, it's a, you know, it's a great clue because... You don't need to know the fact, but you can figure it out. And also, it gives you something that you can share with your friends the next day, which is... Yes, in case you missed it, 1970s movies is the final. A 1975 premiere of this comedy advertised free coconuts for the first thousand in the audience. Of course, the correct response, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I knew this. Well, I knew this for a couple of reasons. But one, years ago, we went to Broadway and we did clues of the Broadway show... And, of course, I did a clue about the coconuts, the horse hooves and the coconuts. And I had the prop because they used the coconuts in the show as a prop as well. Another little tidbit that we can talk about on our upcoming interview. Oh, sorry. With you I and... should save it. I'm sorry. I will tell no Clue Crew stories no, from tell here them all. until the interview. Tell them all. I, um, you can stop talking about Clue Crew notes when I can stop relating to this as a former contestant. So that's. Oh, well, that will be never. Um, there was a funny note that we pointed out uh, company name Origins was the category, and there was, in fact, a clue about H&R Block. Because that was the final Jeopardy, the H&R Block 
uh, FedEx snafu was what resulted in Ken's loss to Nancy Zerg. And he always um, jokes it's best to lose on a clue for a large corporation because, you know, he's got tax assistance from H&R Block for the rest of his life. Like, and, that was one yeah. of his gifts that they gave him. Yep. What a, what a week. What uh, a week. I mean, just um, emotional highs and lows. Um, we've, we, we have to say goodbye to Chris. That's an emotional low for me. However, we had really fun games and great categories. So, you know, the show goes on. The show goes on. And in addition to knowing that we'll see Chris in the TOC, also great to know that we have second chance. Like, we don't even know who else we're going to see. And there were certainly yeah. some standouts. I think Tammy was one of them this week. But, again, we have to keep looking at it as the season goes on and see how things line up at the end. But what a week. It is time now for viewer questions. Nathan asks, very excited about the new competition. Those contestants in both tournaments were fabulous. But I was wondering, if there are going to be 14 games, will there be an exhibition game between the two winners and the highest runner-up, like in the TOC? Great question, Nathan. The answer is no. Uh, We did that exhibition game because of the potential for stations to have to preempt the show because of Election Day on November 8th. In this case, the high school reunion tournament will actually end on a Thursday, and then we'll pick back up with regular games on that following Friday. All right. And Jake asks another question about this new tournament. The high school reunion tournament is a great idea, but four years ago seems like a long time. I know you typically can't post full episodes online, but is there any way that something can be worked out so we can see the original episodes again before the new tournament airs? I think this is a great suggestion, Jake. I don't know that we'll be able to broadcast the full episodes, but we're certainly going to be putting together highlights from these episodes that you'll get to see those best moments from each of the 27 competitors and get a great refresher so that you kind of remember them, remember their gameplay. So that will definitely be provided. And don't you worry, you're going to see each of them from their initial run when we introduce them even during the show because I'm living for that moment. I want to see the side by side. And I <laughs> the know the glow up, the Jeopardy glow up. Absolutely. You know, a lot happens in four years for teenagers. And um, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to show that. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Um, Nathan and Jake for these questions. Listeners, you can send your questions to Inside Jeopardy Podcast at gmail.com. And also, as I keep alluding to, we are going to have a special Q&A with Sarah and Jimmy, formerly of the of the now defunct Clue Crew, to hear more <laughs> uh, to hear more about their experiences. So send in your questions for them and I'll be grilling them in a oh, in a no holds barred uh, Barbara Walters style. Uh, there will be tears. There will be tears. <laughs> Um, But anyway, that brings us to the end of today's show. We'll be back next week to discuss more gameplay, and we'll see if Matthew Ott will become a multi-day champion or if we're back to the series of one-and-dones. I know. What? Will the one-day streak continue? And as always, make sure you subscribe, rate us, leave us a comment, share across social, and follow us at Jeopardy on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and on TikTok. And we will see you all next week. 